Hey everybody, welcome to episode 28 of Two Views Movies Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And today's episode is all about the latest in Star Wars. It's Solo, a Star Wars story. Our second Star Wars movie in, well, second Star Wars podcast now in less than six months. Right. This one follows, obviously, Han Solo. I don't, I'm not even going to really read the blurb on this one. It's Han Solo. He meets Chewie. He meets Lando. Go on some adventures. That's about it. Directed by Ron Howard, who obviously did Apollo 13, Rush, A Beautiful Mind, but also kind of half or third directed by Lord and Miller, who did 21 and 22 Jump Street and Lego Movie. So I think we talked about this in the preview, but production was a disaster. They basically got booted from the movie and Ron Howard got brought in. And the the number that's been quoted in every article right before, I didn't see this until like a few days before the release, but the number that started getting thrown around was Ron Howard redid 70% of the movie. Right. I don't know that's how they figured that out, yeah. but that's what we've heard. The cast, Alden Ehrenreich, who we talked about in the preview, who's from All I Know is Hail Caesar. Woody Harrelson, who everybody knows. Amelia Clark is the mother of dragons. Donald Glover is one of the most popular guys in the world right now, also known as Childish Gambino. And then Paul Bettany, who is Vision, and he's been in a lot of other stuff, but, mm-hmm. but Vision. So there's a split on the directors, and no matter what you think or feel about this movie, I have yet to hear anybody say, oh, it felt like two different movies competing with one another. I felt like if Ron Howard redid 70% of the movie, his vision is what's there. It, I tried to think of what the other movie was that you and I had talked about at one point that had conflicting directors, and it was Justice League. And I felt like you could feel it in Justice League. You could feel what was Snyder, and you could feel what was Joss Whedon, and stuff was not gelling on the screen. And I didn't get that from this. I didn't, I didn't get that either. I felt some scenes were mashed together and so whether that was a product of of editing you know cropping out what he liked yeah you know um but i yeah. did feel like it had his his feel to the whole i think the feeling stayed the same throughout the whole movie yeah I, I definitely think there was some editing stuff that could have been different but tonally i think no matter how it was maybe chopped together it didn't feel like conflicting tones especially when you think of ron howard and right. you think of Lord and Miller, like 21, 22 Jump Street versus Apollo 13. Right. Those are two very different, and it didn't feel like that. So, you know, kudos to Ron Howard for being brought in and trying to salvage whatever he had to salvage. Where do you want to start on this one? I'll let Should you Should we just take, start running through it? I'll just let you take the lead here. Okay. Well, well, we'll okay, no, I'm going I'm to stop <laughs> before you get into it. So I want a precursor. So I consider myself a Star Wars fan, and, and I know you are as well. Right. And I almost say that we're... Star Wars super fans, but they're when you say Star Wars super fans, that's a very different kind of fan. Yeah, we don't go to Comic Con. No, and and nor do we do we do cosplay. Right. So, but we both own a Star Wars encyclopedia. That is true, and we can reference timelines according to how they are supposed to be referenced in right. Star Wars lore. <laughs> so, and, but and then also, I never read any of the. The fan fiction, not fan fiction, but all the, the, the different the expanded books, universe. The expanded stuff. universe. I read books. two. We are more fans than the average bear. Yes, but uh, and so that that one let. You but know, we don't argue about Star Wars on internet forums. I mean, we argue amongst ourselves. Correct. But you know, we're not. 
you couldn't pick us out of a crowd, but we know our Star Wars. We know our Star Wars, and very looking forward to Star Wars. Yes. And I like everything about Star Wars. And so that that's where I'm coming from. Right. So I know what if, you're doing. And so I'm I'm letting people know where right. I'm starting you're playing, from. You're playing the long con is what's <laughs> happening. You're setting up the argument that's going to come later in this episode. I just I just need people to understand that I love Star Wars. However, we got solo instead okay so i saw this opening night so thursday night and then you saw it saturday morning and so i had about two days that i was sitting there thinking gosh how am i going to justify this movie to garrett garrett's going to come strong <laughs> he, he didn't like it i did uh, come strong you did come strong <laughs> and, and i'm sitting there saying what in this movie did I like enough to because nothing nothing that they did is on your your wheelhouse of what you like, and so I'm that 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 was plaguing me of, of I gotta find something that that this movie did extremely well yeah to to hold up to you and so you saw it Saturday and then you came strong in the opposite direction yeah you loved it I did I had a good time and I I did not it's the first Star Wars movie that. I felt like I had fun in, in a, in a long time because I, I, I don't think I knew this until I saw this movie, but I kind of didn't realize how heavy and serious Star Wars had become. And by that, you mean The Last Jedi? Yeah, but even The For- Force Awakens has, they, they both have moments of levity, right? But everything is still so serious. Like it's about rebellion versus empire and we've got to save the galaxy. And everything's of the utmost importance and good guys versus bad guys and Sith versus Jedi. Well, I mean, yeah, Kylo Ren's a Sith, but Ray's not, but I'm going dork for a minute, but you know what I'm saying? Like everything's of magnified importance and last Jedi. Then you got what's happening with Leia and Luke makes his miraculous return, et cetera, et cetera. That's not a negative. It's not a comment that star Wars should not be like that. I'm just saying that you kind of get wrapped up in all those big, heavy storylines about the fate of the Star Wars universe, and it's all riding on that main plot line. Because even Rogue One is designed to fit into that same plot line. It's of the utmost importance because that's how they get the plans and blah, right. blah, blah. So I didn't realize how how heavy it had really become until I saw Solo, and I was like, oh, that this is just fun. It's just fun kind of chilling in the Star Wars universe, not talking about Sith and Jedi and the Force, and all this stuff. Which is the best part of the Star Wars Well, I I don't disagree, but I'm saying it was kind of a breath of fresh air to be able to step away from that and be like, okay, we can still go have fun in Star Wars. Nobody's ever done that before. Uh, And I I disagree with that take altogether, because right before you you, you came here, Force Awakens was on TNT, Mm -hmm. and the scene where they were Rey and Finn get into the Millennium Falcon for the first time. Yeah. And that scene where they're flying away from the TIE fighters, uh, of them going back and forth, and that scene was, was better than any that are in Solo. And Solo is supposed to be this this pilot that they didn't demonstrate that really at all. And I thought that scene was far more light than anything going on in, in Solo. And- I'm not saying that none of the main episodes don't have moments of levity. I mean, the original trilogies has them has them scattered throughout great lines from han and chewy and stuff and that too i'm just saying that in it, this entire movie to me was lighthearted and felt lighter and it was it, it was nice for me to get an escape from the just regular plodding along we 
like I said, this is the first Star Wars movie we have that does not feel like it has to be some piece of the puzzle of the main nine story episodes. And that's what I liked. And I just, and I just don't get that because I didn't think this was overly fun. I didn't think it was overly exciting. Yeah, which is an entirely subjective thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I didn't think Ready Player One was fun, and you did. And it's very fun. Yeah, but I thought this was fun. But regardless of the fun, my point, though, is that the whole point to me of some of these anthology movies that we're doing is to explore other aspects of Star Wars, which I kind of thought Solo was not the right way to go with that. There's so many other things that you could do. Why do you really need to dive into Han's backstory? But they did, and I thought it was it was fun, but I like that they did it in a way that, like I said, did not bring in all the heavy lifting of the main episode storylines. Okay. <laughs> no response. <laughs> all right, so... The movie starts out with Han on a planet called Corellia. He is with Amelia Clark, whose name is Kira in the movie. But they're trying to get off of Corellia because it's run by some... Worm. Yeah, it's a worm. Lady Proxima is the name that they give it. But Han and Kira just went off the planet. They're clearly in love. They want to escape. They talk about flying around the galaxy together. It opens with, which seems like every movie nowadays does, it opens with an action scene or a Maybe not an action scene, adventure scene, whatever you want to call it. Some kind of right. momentum gainer. And I thought that was the kind of the worst action scene of the bit. It wasn't a bad scene. It just, out of all the others, I just thought, okay, it was a, it's like a car chase is essentially what it was. But, you know, I, I get that they're trying to show that Han can drive a car and it adds some adventure to it. I actually thought the worst CGI of the whole movie was in that scene. That's not even Lady Proxima. It was the stormtrooper chasing them on a uh, speeder, a speeder yeah. looked really out of place. Did you think that? Yeah. It, okay. It did. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, maybe they just had a, a rough scene right there. And then they brought the guy back. I'm like, this is not looking good. What is, what is this? And so that one was really distracting. I know you didn't like lady Proxima at all. I didn't like the, Yeah. I didn't like the character. I didn't like the way it looked. Yeah. I didn't like why, why even have her like that? I just, it, this is and this is where we disagree. It, it's I, it was so off and so off putting that it just put me in a in a bad. I don't understand what is off about a random alien in Star Wars. That it's, that's it's all Star Wars giant, does. And I'm fine with a random alien, but Jabba's it, it, a giant slug. Yeah, and I'm not fond of of Jabba either. But at least he's. But think of all the other mutations of variants, I should say. Of but to be this lord of this planet, and you're just it's a worm, and yeah. I can't. This, it, it was dumb, and the mouth was dumb, and everything about it was dumb. Just, but I, it, I, and it set me, it set me in the wrong mood, you know, going in, and then, it, and then this. Well, whole, hold, hold on, hold okay. On. I can understand not liking the CGI of of Lady Proxima. I, I, I can get that. It was not the best CGI, and I'm all in favor. Star Wars works best when it's practical effects, and The Force Awakens proves that. However, Star Wars is filled with all sorts of aliens. Every Star Wars movie ever made introduces a new set of aliens, some practical, some CGI. So I don't really get, for me personally, I don't get hung up on what an alien looks like or should there be more of this kind of alien or should there not be any more kinds of aliens? I don't, to me, it's just like droids. 
there's always new droids in Star Wars. I don't care. I mean, whatever. I just kind of chalk it up to that's the environment of Star Wars. We're going to get that every movie, and let's just move on. So yeah. I didn't I didn't necessarily like Lady Proxima, but none of those things ever bothered me to the point where I'm like, okay, I, I'm in a bad mood now because it was a giant worm instead of whatever cool thing I can dream up in my head or just making it a person. Well, and and, and I'm okay with as many different aliens as you want to come up with. I don't need a species background on, on everybody. Sure. but. To have it as a giant worm was... I think it was technically like a centipede or something. It had lots of arms. <laughs> Did it? Yeah. Did it have 100? Or... I don't know. I couldn't count. Yeah. CGI was too bad. M- millipede? <laughs> it was underwater. Half of it was underwater. <laughs> right. The, uh, it, you know, it just... It's not something that's cool. It's not something that's... None of the extra aliens in Star Wars are cool. Some of them are. It's rare. You have, all, you have all the extra characters that you can get the figures on, you they're know, just, back when you're but growing they're, up. But they're filler. Sure, they're filler, but some of them are cool. But then most but then, aren't. And there's not. You can never use her again. I mean, it's not like you ever have her come back. Or I don't think that it, was ever the plan. It right? Because why would you? Because it's a stupid worm. It. it, it why would you have Jabba it, come back? It, it ruined. It ruined it. Nah. It, it ruined, ruined the opening scene. Yeah, I, I like, can't oh, believe you're just... letting a side alien character in a Star Wars movie somehow taint your whole. I'm going to let three of them taint my experience. Right. And, but and but back it's, to back to but back. it's the same concept. It's, I mean, it's we, you, we could sit there and chronicle all the bad aliens in the original trilogy, but what does it matter? They're just on the side in the background. It, what, that's like saying I didn't like Jabba's little servant guy because he's ugly looking. I mean, who cares? But at least it looked real. Well, fine. I, and that's what I'm saying. You, I, you have a valid complaint with the CGI. I get that. But I'm just saying, why get hung up on the fact that it was a worm alien? What, what does it matter in the grand scheme of Star Wars? No, it doesn't. It was just, it was just dumb, and it set me off on the wrong, right. wrong foot. I mean, did, did the icicle foxes in Last Jedi ruin your whole experience? That was at the very end. So? Did it ruin everything from that point it on? Did, it didn't need to be a nice fox in there. Yeah. It didn't talk. But Star, they, didn't, they didn't talk. Star Wars is... Nor get... But Star Wars is burned like a vampire from the sun somehow. (laughs) Star Wars is the definition of doesn't need to be or isn't necessary. Nothing about Star Wars is necessary. It just is. I mean, what would it be if you didn't have a bunch of just random aliens floating around? What would be the point of Star Wars or even Star Trek for that matter if you didn't have just random aliens? I'm saying have random aliens, but have cool random aliens. Not a not a okay. And that's fine. You can think it's a dumb alien, but like why why let it? Why let it ruin so much of the story? Proxima, Lady Proxima literally has a minute, maybe, of screen time. Maybe. I don't even probably, think it's a minute. Probably not even. Yeah, I don't think it's a minute. Yeah. So why? Because it's the beginning, and it sets you off on the wrong foot. That's ridiculous. But, so, and You're it, a curmudgeon. And, and you went it, into this not wanting to like it. No, no, no. And, and, <laughs> and had it, I went to probably wanted to like it too much. But the, uh, uh, the fact that it, and we're skipping ahead, but it rolled right into the forearm little creature that with Woody Harrelson that yeah. was that was completely CGI that looked terrible. Uh, right. And then it, I'm not going to defend the CGI. And then it rolled into L3, and it's okay. like all those characters, like, gosh, these are so annoying that I want them. They're they're so distracting that I'm hoping the next time I see this movie, I can put them out of my mind. But you, the whole time I was like, oh, that CGI is so bad, and it didn't have to be. It could have been a guy in a costume. And that's what it should have been. I will agree with you on the CGI. But even then, if we're talking CGI and they're not on screen that much, it's not that bad to the point where it should taint the whole rest of your experience. But it did. And it just rolled that's, one into that's the That's you one. getting in your own head. Did you take a five-hour energy drink before Solo? <laughs> yes. Yes, you I did? did. Yes, mm, I did. I, I'm, I'm debating. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I believe that. 
even the opening scene. So we're focused on these die like eight eight different times. On these what? The the dice. The oh, gold, the dice. The golden yeah. dice. And they really zoomed in and made this a big focal point of the first like twenty minutes. Right. Of the not even twenty minutes, the first seven minutes of the movie. Yeah. They show the dice three different times. Yeah. You know, and it, it was like we're really now that they were brought up in the last Jedi, we feel like we have to yeah to harp on these for some yeah, reason. Yeah, so I won't even blame Lord and Miller or Ron Howard for that. That's all the last Jedi's fault. Nobody knew anything about these stupid dice until the last Jedi. But Last Jedi forces you to acknowledge it because you have to. You know, it's supposed to be this big emotional piece between, you know, Luke giving it to Leia and it's a memory of Han or whatever. Which is which is weird. No, agreed. Agreed. So then now if you're doing a Han Solo movie, because you can't look back to the original trilogy to explain it because it was just some stupid Easter egg that super nerds bigger than us know about. Like, I didn't even know about it. Uh-uh. And so I had to go look it up. But But you forced the hand. You had the Last Jedi forced the solo movie to address it in some way, shape, or form. And so now you have Luke giving Leia these die that Harris, that Han Solo gave to his first girlfriend that she gave back to him. Yeah, and so but, like, but like, they wait, clearly they clearly like, meant something to Han. I, I I need to go back because that was his first girlfriend. <laughs> I haven't seen the Last Jedi since theater, so I I don't remember if there's anything said or done in that context that would explain those dice better. No, I mean, not, not, I'm sorry, not their origin, but like why Luke felt compelled to, well, I think they were just there and fake give them to her because they were a force (laughs) vision. So I I get that. I I don't, I didn't really care about the dice. They were just laying it on really thick at the beginning. Well, I think they, I think they had to because people watched the last Jedi and they're like, what is this? I don't understand. So I think they had to make it a point like these are the dice, you know, big red flashing arrow that we talked about in last Jedi. And so, and you can kind of sense the fact that they wanted to get it out of the way right away. And so they did it in the first scene, but then they had to find a way to get it back to Han for it to make sense. So they had to have Kira give it back to Han later in the movie. But yeah, that's one of those that just, I fully blame The Last Jedi. I don't really care what Ron Howard did with it. I think you did the best you could, all things considered. It's stupid dice that we shouldn't even be talking about, but that's Ryan Johnson's fault. (laughs) That's how I feel. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are his fault. Yes, that's fair. The really interesting thing that they did early on, Han and Kira are trying to leave Corellia, and they get split up. She gets captured by Lady Proxima's people, at the a gate of a terminal, essentially. Right. So Han's trying to figure out how he's going to get off this planet now. And he just happens to be at a recruiting, recruiting center, which yeah. did you catch the Imperial March was playing on the recruitment hologram, I think? Well, they played it later. Okay. I, th- I thought I caught it in that scene. They, they may have done that there. Okay. So a couple of things happen here. The first is that Han, he's already said a couple of different times to Kira, he wants to be a pilot and they want to fly around the galaxy. So he figures out that the only way he can get off of Corellia is to enlist in the Empire. And he goes to enlist, and they ask his name, and he says Han. They need a last name. And he says he doesn't, I think he just kind of stares at him. Maybe he says he doesn't have one. I don't remember how it goes. But he asks him about his family, and he says, I'm alone, or something like that. And the guy goes, okay, Solo. And so it's Han Solo. Didn't need to happen. Did not need to happen. Completely agree with you. This is not the first remake that's done stuff like this. I think everybody feels the need to explain names and why somebody got it. The the one that jumps into my mind, and I, I don't know why this is seared into my memory, probably because it's another movie that I like that didn't need to address it, but the Point Break remake 
where they explain why Johnny Utah got his name because it has to do with the Ute Mountains. And I just like rolled my eyes like, why? Johnny Utah is a cool name. Just let it be. Han Solo is a cool name. Let it be. And and truthfully, it adds nothing. Right? right? Like it's not like you gave it a backstory and tried to give it meaning. You gave it a backstory with no meaning. Well, and I thought when when they started going down that path of I have no people, yeah, that he was going to open up later on, you know, and explain what happened sure. to his family or something, kind of set something, some stage up. It's like, okay, you know, that that's where it came from. That's why it's coming in here, but it's nothing. Just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I mean. Why, why give it a backstory that isn't the backstory? Right. And I don't know. It just wasn't cool. So we're getting it a prequel to, to Solo. <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't. It wasn't negative for me. Like, it didn't detract from the movie. I was like, why? I mean, yeah. why? Say your name's Han Solo. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, yeah. So, that happens. But the other thing that happens, which I was kind of completely shocked by, to be honest, is Han actually goes into the Empire. and To be a, to be a pilot. To be yeah. a pilot. But they kind of laugh at him. And he ends up serving three years in the infantry. Right. So, they cut to three years later. And Han's basically in trench warfare on some planet fighting for the Empire. Yeah. And you never see who they're fighting. No, you don't. I think they make an illusion of what they think they're there to do. I can't remember. It's like capture a trade post or something like that. It, yeah. it doesn't really matter. I, d- I thought that was an interesting choice of a background. So now when you watch... Force you know, Awakens? It, it, well, well, any of them. Well, Finn is a stormtrooper. Yeah, and when you, but when, even when you watch the original trilogy, you have this background now that Han served three years for the Empire. So maybe that's part of the reason why he wants to be a scoundrel is because he's been on one side of the fight, doesn't want any part of that. So he wants to just go and do his own thing. And maybe he doesn't. But now I guess you have to question whether or not he knows about the rebellion. But no. <laughs> Well, and in that scene where he's fighting in the trench, so I have a, a little aside of our movie starting at 8.30 and there's a movie that started at 8. And I went to the bathroom and in there you could hear the entire oh, scene. Oh, no of what was going on and all i heard was the imperial march and, <laughs> and blasters and uh-huh. what sounded like lightsabers okay and i'm like did i just get a spoiler am i gonna get Uh-oh. vader you know and uh, vader yeah. doing something and so i got really mad but excited at the same yeah. time that that, that that just happened and then when that scene it's just the uh the walkers yeah the ATATs shooting uh shooting at stuff yeah and there was no lightsaber you know? right but, but they did play the imperial march then yeah and so like i thought what i was getting like oh dang it yeah i wouldn't i don't think i would have liked that i would not have well i didn't know what context sure v- vader was in there but, sure. I, but i heard the imperial march right they and usually only play that yeah because that would have been legitimately the only lightsaber you possibly could have heard i mean given the star wars timeline right. the jedi were all gone so if there was a lightsaber it was vader yeah yeah as far as we knew at the time yep so while he's there serving he meets or comes across woody harrelson thandy newton so woody harrelson's beckett thandy newton is val and the forearm guy which is rio something i don't remember but he kind of picks up on the sense that they're so they're dressed in empire infantry too but he picks up quickly on the fact that they're they don't seem to be really soldiers that they're faking it and he tries to call him out he wants to go with him he wants to be a scoundrel that's kind of what they've already set up through like the first 20 minutes is that han kind of considers himself this rogue clever bad guy but he's not proving to be much successful at it. So in, in a really roundabout way, Woody Harrelson rats him out as a deserter, and the Empire throws him down into a pit to what they say is feed the beast. Feed right? the beast. Yeah, we haven't and, fed him in, yeah, in three days or something like that. throw him down in the pit, kind of uh, hearkening back to Return of the Jedi when yeah. Luke gets thrown into the pit Rancor. against the Rancor. Yeah. 
Um, he's chained to a pole. And I think at that point I kind of knew what was going to happen, right. but the beast ends up being Chewie and Chewie starts beating the hell out of Han. <laughs> right. And right before you can imagine Chewie getting ready to rip some limbs apart, <laughs> Han speaks Wookiee, yeah. which I actually <laughs> thought was pretty funny. Cause at first it kind of came across as like a garbled noise, but yeah. then they throw the subtitles up. And I thought it was kind of a cool touch. I, I like that Han could speak Wookiee because it's never, I mean, you always knew in the original trilogy, they understood, understood each other, each other yeah. but nobody else really could understand Chewie. And you always kind of wondered if it was like an I am Groot thing where right. it's like, he just kind of always does the same thing and you kind of know what he's saying. But I thought that was cool. But then they decide to work together because he is able to convince Chewie like, hey, if you help me, I can help get you out of here and get you off of this planet. And that's the first time you've ever seen Chewie really do anything. Yeah. And and that besides scene, shoot like his crossbow, his crossbow, and yeah. then run behind everybody. Yeah. You know, and he he showed what a Wookiee could do. I'm sure he did something in Episode Three, but it's entirely forgettable. Whatever it is. The uh, well, they had an army of Wookies that none of right. them did anything beyond shooting a crossbow. Lucas. You know. <laughs> and it's like like finally I get an army of Wookies when it's supposed to be Ewoks, you <laughs> right? Know, you know, and all and all that, and uh, or the Ewoks are supposed to be Wookies, and you finally get that in his crap yep so you finally get to see what what chewy can do and that that's the highlight of this movie is, yeah. is chewbacca yeah but it's really cool how they kind of become almost like a like a buddy cop kind of thing the whole rest of the movie they're really kind of like attached at the hip they really play off of one another they they form their partnership and start to really work together as the movie goes on and see and i think they could have done so much more with that i, th- I feel like they started to yeah. and then they just stopped. I, I would like the next movie because I think they had so much going on. They needed to fill out Han and I think they tried to fill out Chewie along the way. I really, I think there's an opportunity to do another solo movie. I kind of feel like they will eventually. I don't know when, but that one should be completely like Han and Chewie in their prime. Yeah. It should be a buddy cop movie essentially with right. those two. And I really thought that's what we were getting as it started. Yeah. And then they, they went away from yeah from, from Chewy. So, they they sprinkle it in still throughout with little comments when they're flying. And he wasn't and really in the last half of the movie. Uh, it's kind of hit and miss. Yeah, he, he was back to that background character again. Yeah, you know that he's oh, and there's a there's a Wookiee back there too. Right, but I like the I like the banter in that initial meeting, like when uh, when Han is. Like saying, "Come on, hit, hit me!" And he's acting like he's getting hit really hard, but Chewie's really hitting the pole to knock him down. Right. That that was really well done. I I had no preconceived notions of how Han met Chewie. I'd never heard or read anything in the extended universe in terms of how that how the book said that happened or anything. So I, I really didn't know what they were going to do with that. Well, they what I know from that is that they he freed him from slavery. So uh, Chewie was a slave, and Han freed him, and so he had this kind of life debt to him. And so that's why they were buddy, buddy. And so this, this was kind of like that, but but not, not really It's more of, I guess he was kind of being a tortured animal. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you'd think if Chewie could just knock down that pole, he could have done that himself. Right. You know, but yeah. (laughs) Um, but things, so things move really quickly in this movie. So we've already jumped from the opening action scene to a second action scene with, uh, the war and then Chewie and Han escaping and the way they, end up, they escape and get out and they hop on the, the ship with Woody Harrelson and Val and those people and, and the forearm guy that, and the forearm guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sucks. So they're on that. And then quickly they're diving into what they're working on, which is they're trying to steal warp fuel. I forget what they call it. Coaxium. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. 
But, you know, Han and Chewie, they want in on it. Well, Chewie's going along with Han. Han wants in on it because he fancies himself an outlaw. So they already... Well, in- he's trying to raise money to buy a ship so yes, he can go you. back and save Khaleesi. Yes, that's exactly right. He, yeah. He's all about the money to try and do that. So we leave Corellia into the war. Now we're leaving the war to go straight into planning the heist for how to steal the warp fuel so that they can make money. I mean, that that's part of what I liked about this movie is I didn't, it didn't really have a whole lot of downtime. It just kind of kept going from one big scene to the next. There's always something going on. I don't think it's right to call it an action movie. I would kind of compare it more to like an Indiana Jones adventure movie because it doesn't do a lot of setup. It just kind of just moves you from set piece to set piece with just how the characters are going without really a lot of, if they do tell you why it's really quickly, like the whole, we're going to steal this warp fuel thing happens around a campfire and like a one minute scene. And then they're getting ready to go and get the train. Yeah. And in the campfire scene, Woody kisses. Yeah. It's established that Woody and Thandy, Val and Beckett are, they like each other. They love each other or whatever. Yeah. And I would much rather they just didn't have that scene because it, as it goes on later, it doesn't make sense to me at all. Okay, I th- I, th- and, and I so didn't have that problem. It was, uh, and so you, you can go ahead, but there's a, there's a scene where they, where they kiss, and yeah. you could just assume that they were smuggling partners or, or whatever yeah. all the way up into this point, which would have made a lot more sense later on. Okay. But I'll let you continue. Okay, with, well, with so we're, we're, we're pretty much there, but they do the train heist, which I thought was a really well-filmed scene. I didn't think any of the CGI looked bad. I liked the except for the forearm guy. Uh, yeah, the forearm guy. But uh, but he <laughs> also him. he was just introduced in the scenes before, and he dies in this scene. So Thank again, the Lord. that goes back to my point of you're letting two aliens that had but two he, minutes. Of but he ruined time. that whole train scene. No, he's just flying a plane. What does it matter? He's jumping around and yeah, who cares? Right in the middle of the whole action thing. Ugh, it it wasn't. You're way overstating how edit bad that, that was. out in this movie. But skyrockets i thought the train scene was fantastic i liked the way the train tilted and stuff i liked the the troopers were coming after them they had droids honing in on them we got the marauders flying in and they were trying to it's a classic western scene right like you've got the train rolling on the railroad and you want to take out one of the cars because it's got all the loot so you got to detach the other cars and blow up the bridge i mean it's stereotypical western right but i thought it was done really well shot really well I liked it. It got it gave Han a chance to become a pilot after the forearm guy dies. And it also gives us a chance to start cooling down some characters. So the forearm yeah. guy dies and Val uh, dies in the heist as well. And she kills herself. And she, so she kills herself. So yes. I don't, and I don't understand. Not like she wanted to. Well, she was pinned down. Yes. But, but then she yeah. decided to blow herself up to, so they could get, get the heist so which i need to go back and rewatch this but they make it a point to say they have to blow up part of the bridge right because it's on both sides so they need to detach it somehow right so, so they need to blow up the bridge she's over there because she's planted the explosives on the posts that need to be blown up to, to knock down the bridge right but the droids get tripped and the droids are heading to go after woody and solo and chewy and all those guys but she shoots the droids so that they become distracted by her, which frees them up because they're also fighting the marauders and the stormtroopers. So now she's pinned down on a pillar, but she has to blow it up before they get there or else everything's gone. So 
she has to detonate while she's still there in order for the heist to be able to be completed. And I would have liked something to say why she's willing to give her life for this. Right. You know, and essentially just money, but you can't blow yourself up. You know, well, I think the thought also was that, I mean, they could have detached everything, but I'm guessing she felt like they would die if she wasn't able to pull this off. But you're right. It could have used a little bit more. And I think and so whether, I mean, if you, if you have them kiss, you know, have them mm-hmm. love each other, you know, play that up a little bit more, you know, in there. And it seemed like that's what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, they she's were gi- giving herself up for, for Woody or whatever. Yeah. But then now she's dead and they're standing at the grave. Woody doesn't make a comment about her being dead, just about finding the money. Well, to, he, to continue the, he punches Han. And I kind of took that to be as some of it's out of anger for but he, Val dying. He some punches of her, but only comments about where we're going to find the money to, to do sure. this. And then nothing about Val. Right. But I think that that plays into a comment he makes to Han later, which is that trust no one and you'll never get let down or never get hurt. So I think that whole thing was That's to show different that... different when somebody dies. Uh, yeah, but not really. I think he was trying to show that you have to be hard-lined if you're going to be in that business. You have to... You have to be willing to let everything go and not trust anything to be an outlaw. Then he should have either said that before or during the funeral scene. Because no. it's just like, okay, we have two dead bodies here. And if they were both just partners, I understood the scene. But because you had him kiss her and because you had her sacrifice herself, herself for him, it just seemed like it was rushed and there's zero emotion whatsoever. So and it was rushed for sure. The whole movie is pretty fast paced. It was rushed and it didn't have a lot of resonance for the audience or really for Woody Harrelson, but I'm okay with him not saying anything at the gravesite because he says, he says it to solo later when Kira comes back in the picture and he sees that Kira Han has a thing for Kira. That's when he tells him, you've got you've to be willing to not trust anybody and, and let that go. And that makes sense. Why then looking in hindsight, why he wouldn't have had, a strong reaction to to Val dying because he never trusted anyone and he's he cuts people blocks them out like that so that worked fine for me if he just interjected it in a random place later in the movie I'd say yeah I, I agree with you but the fact that he did it in the context of Han was looking at him and Val and then now he's looking at Han and Kira it makes sense but that's like thirty minutes later when you're watching the movie it's, it's not like that far he later. just didn't you know, like um he didn't even reference that his girlfriend just died yeah. It's like that's weird, I th- awkward. But I think it. I think it speaks more to his character that. I mean, it tried to, but it, I don't think it did that well at all. It probably didn't get it across very well, but it makes sense to me why he would not be overly reactional to that, based on how his character is. He, I think, t- not trusting and not caring if somebody dies is very, very different. I think the point, the larger point, was that if you're going to be in that line of work, you can't allow yourself to get attached. No attachments. Yeah, and so he shouldn't have kissed her at the campfire. Well, no, you, that's wrong. You can still you can still do that. <laughs> he, he, so he can still have that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's that. I had a big big issue with, with that side. But yeah, again, it, it, I, I think that's like, a minor thing in the context of everything. That to me, that's like overanalyzing why Indy kisses the blonde Nazi in Indiana Jones: Last Crusade or whatever. I mean. It is what it is. It's not really all that essential to the plot or what we're trying to learn about Solo or anybody. So I don't, I mean, you can, it's a valid complaint that it lacks emotion and it was rushed and everything. But to me, it's not integral to anything. Well, you're moving getting forward. into Indy and I, I can, throughout the whole time, he's still trying to, to save her and convert her and he keeps getting. No, I know. But, I, I was just, pick, yeah. I was just picking one out like that. So after the train scene, 
that's when we sort of start getting introduced to Crimson Dawn, which is the new bad criminal organization. The Vision. Yeah, because that's who Woody Harrelson owed money to. And so they go meet up with them because they have to go down with their tail between their legs. Say, hey, we didn't get the work fuel. Please don't kill us. We'll find a way to make this up, which, again, is standard you know, heist movie stuff. I, I owe you something. I didn't get it. Please let me make it up. But who saves the day is Kira. She's on the ship. Han sees her. She kind of helps navigate. She's, it's alluded to that she's kind of a concubine. Yeah. Yeah. And his name is Dryden Voss. Vision is Dryden Voss. So she belongs to him because we see a tattoo on her arm. So we kind of start his stamp. Yeah. Yeah. We start piecing together the puzzle. So they go in begging, she kind of helps Han. They they kind of do this, I guess, you know, witty banter in terms of like, we're trying to get out of this off the top of our head. She's giving him some clues that will help him. He's trying to say, hey, we'll go and refine the coaxium on the Spice Mines of Kessel. And oh, it's her plan that he was trying to pitch as his own. Yes, yeah. exactly. They're trying to feed one another in terms of yeah. how this is going to work. And Woody's just kind of left sitting there. But that was kind of a fun scene. But anyway, Dryden Voss agrees to it. Okay, fine. Go do it. You know, so he's a he's an okay character, Vision. He uh he's got these scars mm-hmm. on his face, and there is a couple scenes, and I think it was just the lighting or inconsistent makeup, one of the two, that it looked like. I was like, are his scars changing color due to his mood? Because. That'd be really cool. The angry, <laughs> angrier that he got, they became yeah. like a deeper red. Right. And I thought that was going to be a really cool thing that they were kind of hinting at that we were going to see later. And then it's like, no, it's just, just inconsistent makeup, I think is what I landed on of what it was yeah. or, or different lighting or something. But uh, I thought that'd be, be really cool to have, have those scars, but then it's all, he's also not really scars, but he's more alien with it. Right. You know? And uh, I thought that would have made him a, a cooler cooler villain yeah i actually i thought he was pretty good i thought he was pretty smooth i I think paul bettany is a good actor yeah i think he was better than krennic yeah especially i just rewatched rogue one uh yesterday i don't know yeah but i don't like that guy so well yeah but i'm saying if we're talking villains and i actually that's my complaint with rogue one he's better than hux hux isn't the main villain kylo is. no i know but i'm just i'm picking villains of kind of the newer star wars movies and i'm just basically trying to say that he's the He's the best villain we've got out of Rogue One and Force Awakens and Last Jedi that's not named Kylo. <laughs> he's the main bad guy. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying he's and not. He's Snoke. Not, he's better than Snoke. I mean, Snoke was, eh. I liked Bettany. I mean, I, I'm not, I, I'm he's, not saying he's, he's okay. He's, yeah. He's forgettable, but I mean, he did, he's okay. Yeah. He didn't I agree. do anything. Well, I, I say I think he's better than okay, but. I agree that he's not overly memorable. I'm just saying in the grand context of what Star Wars is giving us with villains, again, not named Kylo, this is fine. Yeah. We'll see. I'll be interested to see how, so Boba Fett supposedly is coming out. I'll be interested to see what happens with some of the villains that they do because I don't know if they're planning on making these a Star Wars story anthology movies actually have their own series. Can't tie into one another? Well, maybe, but I guess what I'm saying is like, can you really establish a long-term villain in Solo if it's not ever destined to be more than one movie? Same with Boba Fett. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they're only well, meant they're... to be one-offs, then what can you do? And I don't know how they're going to do that because they clearly introduce a villain at the end of this right. that is going to be in 
Kenobi. Right. And yes. so, it's, it's, so it's like, how are they, are they tying him together that way? Are we never going to see Solo again? You right. Know? Yeah, I don't is know. Is he going to be in Kenobi? <laughs> I, I wish <laughs> they, they can't because they've never met before. That'd be weird. Who, Solo and Kenobi? Yeah. How they met? What are you talking in about? In the cantina. Yeah. But that's the first time they met. Oh, yeah. So it's not like they can cross their their movies uh, together. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I, I was like, you're saying they never met, but I, I, yeah. I caught up there before. For a yes. Excuse me. So I liked Bettany, but I, I kind of agree with you. It's not anything to like write home about, I guess I would say. So once once they meet with Bettany and they figure out, <laughs> Bettany, once they meet with Dryden Voss and figure out that we're going to do this plan, they're off on another adventure. So that's what I mean. Like we're already on like our fourth or fifth adventure. Right. They need to collect a ship, and I think it's Kira that knows about Lando, who knows he has a really fast ship. I think that's yes. how they figured it out. So they run off and find Lando playing a game of Sabic and at some criminal underlord, and we get what we think is the game that we've all heard, how Han wins the Falcon. The Falcon. Yeah. And it actually ends up being they, they throw us a loop on that one. Yeah. They show Lando cheating, and Han does not win the right. Falcon. So Lando instead has to come along with them. I forget how they, oh, they offer him a, a cut basically right. to get him to get a ship. Um, it, I, I, I've heard some confusion about this, about whether the Falcon was Lando's. I mean, it clearly was Lando's ship because all of the stuff was inside of it, but yeah. they set it up really weird because after they leave that card game, they go and get it. it, it impounded. It's impounded, but they, they don't really explain that very well. It kind of, it's, it's just a really weird kind of setup. I think it, the only reason they did that was to show that Lando's acting above his station. I, th- I, th- I think that's, that's, yeah. that's why they, well, it's impounded, but you know, I keep it here. You yeah. Know? So he was, he was definitely playing it up. Yeah. I just, I, I felt, I don't know. I need to rewatch it again, but that scene felt a little clunky to me. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't get why they would not say why it was impounded at some point. Yeah. I think it was trying to be funny in the sense that, Hey, I've got this really awesome ship and everything, but cause I've seen that in, We've seen that in other movies, right? It's a pretty, I, I don't want to say like typical scene, but oh yeah, you know, I got this really fancy car and then actually what you're doing is stealing you're stealing the car. a car. Yeah. yeah, but it was but his it was car. His. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. kind of led to the confusion. It's that kind of vibe for the scene, but it's, but it's his. So I don't know. It was interesting, but that's how Lando and the Falcon come into play. Yeah, and so you see the Falcon for the first time and it's flying around, they're, they're there, and I'm like, something's off something's just really yeah. off and, and i'm looking at it and i was actually i was wearing a millennium falcon shirt that my wife got me mm-hmm. you know for the movie and uh i'm like yeah why why is it why is it flat on the front right <laughs> you know i was like am i crazy you know i looked down i was like no okay I, i'm i'm right yeah. like it's not supposed to be that and then they they show why later right but it's like it's like it's it looks really off so right now. what it ends up being is that's the escape pod. that's the escape pod who, on the front. who ejects it i can't remember I don't, they shoot it at something. Okay, yeah, I can't remember what at, they yeah. at the squid worm thing. Is it okay? I, so. I couldn't remember. I know at some point it gets ejected. And you're like, oh, there, that's a yeah, that's, and that's what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, yeah. So I guess backing up a little bit, we're really driving along on the plot here. You know, we're, we're kind of just reintroduced to Kira back at the Crimson Dawn place, and she seems to be kind of smitten with Han again. But they're already giving hints that she's maybe not who she. Used she, to be, and not even really. Hence, they're, uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty overt with it. it. Yeah, she says it. You know, I'm, I've done things that you don't want right. to know. I'm not who you think I am. You know, and yeah. Then, then uh, and she's she's decked out in all black. Yeah, and, and Vision says it a couple times. She's not who you think she. You know, yeah. I, I mean, they they lay it on pretty thick. That's true. They do. 
But so there's her happening again. And then, of course, we already mentioned, but Lando comes into play. And he, he was everybody's favorite coming into the movie in terms of it's Donald Glover. He looks like he like when you watch the trailer, every, we talked about this in the preview. I'm like, yeah, solo guy playing Han Solo kind of looks okay. But hey, Lando looks fantastic. And I have to say, when it comes to expectations, that it was a disappointment. Because while he did a, a good job of being Billy D. Williams and being Lando, he didn't steal the show like I was I was hoping that he was. And, and I don't know if it's, they didn't give him enough opportunity or it was him trying to just be the imitation. It, it was some, there was just something that I didn't get full-on Lando that I thought we were, were going to get. Yeah, so I, I agree with that, but I have a slightly different take. I, I it was not he was not the scene stealer that I thought he would be. He was very good, and there was a couple of times where I swear they just took Billy D's lines from one of the movies and put him in there because he sounded just like him. Right. Other times yeah. he was just Donald Glover imitating Lando, and that right. that still worked. My take on it is that I don't think he stole the show as much as he did because, well, two reasons. The main one is Solo Alden Ehrenreich did way better than I thought he would do. Way better. I was I was bracing for, I am not going to like this at all. And I came away with my only issue of him as Solo is his voice. And that's not even really on him. It, Harrison Ford's got a very, I don't know, not bassy, baritone smooth voice. And Aaron Reich's is kind of nasally. He sounds probably more like me as opposed to being very smooth. And there's just nothing he can do about that. But as a Han Solo, I, I could not get past that a little bit. But beyond that, I thought he was very, very good. And so I think it gave Donald Glover less opportunities to be that scene stealer. See, and I, he wasn't a very good Solo. Like he wasn't a very good Han, uh, Harrison Ford impressionist. No. So there was no cadence. There was no lines that sounded like it. There, there was no, none of that. But... I felt like I knew that going in, and so I braced myself to just say, "Okay, he's just his own his own solo," and 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 I thought he did I thought he did fine. I don't think he did amazing, but I thought he did fine. And so I, I'm not holding holding that over his head when I was watching. I was like, I'm not waiting for him to sound like Harrison Ford or even to act like Harrison Ford. Yeah. And so I, I felt like I was bracing myself. I, I mean, I don't think he did amazing. Um, he he's not as bad as was billed by. No, <laughs> by, by the no, I would be angry if I was him. I think he got some unfair press after having seen the movie. I, I don't think I think he did a really good job. Now, maybe it took them. You know, there was all this talk about they had to hire an acting coach and all this stuff. But I felt like he did not imitate Harrison, obviously. But I thought by the end, he picked up on enough mannerisms that some of the things he was saying and how he was saying it, it was enough for me to realize that, like, yeah, OK, that's what Han would have done. It may not may not sound like Harrison Ford, and it may not have been perfectly cadenced, but it's right. See, and I, I didn't get many of those at all of that's what Han would have done. The only thing was, was at the end. That I was, I was like, I'm glad they, they put that in there. But any of the, anything that he said, you know, didn't. Really? I thought, I, I, I thought I got, almost I all of, of his banter with Lando and almost all of his banter with Chewie was spot on. Hmm. See, I didn't. I, I, I was like, okay, that's his character, but I didn't feel like it was Han Solo. Oh, see, I did. I felt like that's dialogue that was written and delivered as though, and some of the dialogue with Lando is actually directly what is said in other movies. Like, 
you know, there's hand you old pirate and there's the, I, I hate you. I know, you know, there's all those kinds but, of things. But he, didn't, that, he didn't say it like, no, no, no. So that's why I didn't get that. But I'm saying he delivered it in a way that was reminiscent of Han Solo enough for me without short of just being a Harrison Ford impersonator, which it was not going to happen. Right. Long story short, coming back to where we start on that, I thought Donald Glover was very good. I agree. I really liked him. I agree. But I think my theory on why he, for me, didn't steal the show is because, oh, the second part was, so the first part was Han was way better than I thought. And the second part was Chewie was awesome. So at, at best, for me, you're looking at Don Glover, who I thought was going to be the scene stealer, as the number three person on the totem pole. So I think that's why it felt a little, you know, quote unquote, disappointing. And they didn't give him a chance to be cool. I mean, he was right. suave, but not cool. Yeah. You know, if, so there wasn't a, a scene where I think kids are going to want to be Han or want to be Lando. Yeah. I, you know, and and so I think that, that that's kind of in my, in my head. They're, they didn't really give him a chance to be. That was the writing, I think. I, I feel well, like sure. yeah, that, I feel like there was so much they felt they had to do with Han that it just did not afford many opportunities for any, especially if you're going to start getting Chewie in there and you've got Kira in there and Woody Harrelson like. I'm hoping Lando gets some more screen time in either a different movie or there's already talk of maybe doing a Lando spinoff, which that'd be fine. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that'd be great. But I think there was just, it was a fast paced movie moving along very quickly. It just didn't give many people outside of Han the opportunity to get some love. Yep. So it took a little bit of a diversion there because we were, I was about ready to gloss completely over Lando (laughs) as I was moving through plot points. I did not want to do that, but. They're all together, and they head out to the Spice Mines of Kessel, which we all know was going to be set up because we have to figure out how Han does the Kessel run in under 12 parsecs. Right. And they get there, and they have to steal unrefined warp fuel from a mine and get it back out onto the Falcon and get it back to Dryden Voss in enough time. And it was because it was going to thaw? Yeah, it, so the way I understood it was it, it's stored when it's raw and or unrefined in a certain way. And after a while, if it's not contained right, it becomes super volatile. And so by them transporting it on the Falcon, it was not going to be in whatever containment method it needed to be. So they were racing against that because once that stuff goes crazy, it's just going to nuke everything. Well, I got the unstability about it. And then halfway through it, I was like, did they say that it just needed to be cooled by the time? And so I'm like, why wouldn't they have just kind of prepared for that uh, my, you know, opposed to well, trying to risk all their lives? My, my guess is that it, that would be like us having a car and trying to take like some plutonium along and then be like, hey, why can't you just make sure that plutonium is safe? Like not every car is equipped to handle but plutonium. Would, would either one of us put plutonium in a car without a proper casing, whatever it needed to be? They didn't have a lot of time. They had to go get that off there and get it back to Dryden Voss fast. So they had to make the best that they could do. Uh, I, again, seeing it again, I need to need to see what the the issues were. But that, yeah, like ha- halfway through, I'm like, I mean, it's a it's an entire MacGuffin. I mean, they yeah, it's just it something. Nothing, yeah, yeah, it's just something to get the movie going along. And they just the only reason they added the volatility to it is to give them a reason to, to go fast. Go fast, but that's not even what <laughs> completing the Kessel Run and twelve parsecs even means. So right, so they go there to the spice mines they get the fuel there's a big conflict you know they're fighting the people that are there uh chewie sees some other wookies and you know you think han and chewie might be splitting up because chewie's basically saying i'm gonna go save these wookies and han's like i gotta get this warp fuel out they split up and then they end up meeting back together right at the falcon as they're trying to leave so the other person that you hate really steps up in this piece i shouldn't say person but the l3 
Lando's droid, yeah. who's basically given a female em- embodiment, right, or a characteristic, I guess. It's a it's a droid, but she's a female, right? She's really big into droid liberation rights, and she causes <laughs> a ruckus at the spice mine by unhooking a couple of the. I forget what they call them, the little things that Luke puts on the droids. Restraining droid. bolts. Yes, restraining bolts or whatever. They they she pops them off and basically says, You're free, you know, don't be enslaved. That's her whole shtick in this movie is she has two sticks. One is that apparently she loves Lando. And two, she's all about droid rights. So she causes a ruckus at the spice mine by freeing up all some of the droids. And her whole character is awful. Every line was a was a huge miss for me. And yeah, it, it was it was groan worthy. Like almost everything yeah. that she put out, I, I, it I was wasn't like, groan worthy. I was like, ugh, really? I go, be you know? Do you not groan? I mean, all the droid humor and all the Star Wars is bad. This was very bad. And then now you have is it sexual innuendos and and that was kind like, of funny. Well, no, it wasn't. No, that was it, it was kind of funny. Her whole character sucked. And her. then <laughs> it, it was so bad. It, it just, and when she calls uh, Lando out, or she tells Kira that uh, Han and Lando are flirting, that was pretty funny. I don't even remember that, yeah. but yeah, it was, it was bad. I, and I hated that character. And that, so I just got rid of this forearm guy. So then it, they lay me in with this L3 person. Like, dang it. You know, I was like, like, why, why do these suck so bad? And then they finally kill, kill her off, which doesn't make any sense. Cause she's a droid. I don't get why they just can't rebuild her. Well, they could have, there's nothing that said they couldn't have, but they were forced to use her in a different way before they could rebuild her. And say, oh, she's one with the ship, right? And the, okay, so let, let's let's stay on L three for a minute because I'm gonna have the same discussion with you that I had about the aliens, which is almost all the droids and all the Star Wars are just kind of throwaway, just just like the aliens. So all she, the, she was too much, uh, but way that, too much. It really wasn't all that different to me than like K two S O. I mean, he had like one liners. She had like extended dialogue well, of crap hers hers were just aiming for a different kind of humor you just didn't think she was funny that's Not what it boils all. down to and and they just gave her too much too much to i do. thought it was okay they always give i mean look how much k2so got in rogue one it was it was about the same amount i just watched it her but her none of her she's hit. in the movie for a shorter amount of time none of but, hers hit it was so bad but it's very distracting that sure so i didn't think they were overly funny, but it definitely was not something where I was like, oh, God, this is ruining the movie for me. It was just kind of like, all right, it's another droid making jokes. I'm, I don't really find any of the droids funny ever. I mean, having just watched Rogue One, I was like, K2SO is making comments that are very 3PO-like. I'm just like, all right, whatever. I mean, those aren't all that funny either. Yeah, this is different level. This is next level stuff. Not uh, The dro- droid rights and the flirting with Lando. There's the whole scene with her and Khaleesi in the cockpit. It, that, I thought just, it was kind of funny. Get, it wasn't overly funny, but I was like, all right, that's kind of funny. No, it needed to be deleted. <laughs> Click. Again, I can understand not thinking it's funny. I don't see how it raised up to the point of like ruining the whole movie for you. It, well, the combination. I mean, I mean, you're essentially saying that three characters who maybe combined got seven minutes of screen time. Like, ruined a whole two-hour movie They for are you. more than seven minutes of screen She had more than seven minutes of screen oh, time. Oh, man, I don't know. Yeah. Like actual actual screen time? I don't know. It's like four minutes, her just talking to Khaleesi. I don't it's think it terrible. was that long. If it felt that long. Either way, it's you're like, you're uh, letting some very minor characters ruin an entire two hour movie for you. Fortunately they did those characters terribly. But going back to your question of why couldn't they have just reconstructed her, they make it a point to say that L three has the best navigational map in all the galaxy. Right. right? 
So once they are behind the eight ball of getting off of Kessel and they need to be able to navigate the mall, which is that big cloud mm-hmm. of nonsense surrounding the planet and make it back to Dryden Voss in time for the warp field to not blow up, they need her navigational maps. Right. So they could have reconstructed her. My guess is they don't have spare droid parts laying around on the Falcon to do that. So they had to make the decision to take her brain out, essentially her data bank, and put it into the Falcon so that they could have the navigation chart. So there's a reason why they couldn't just reconstruct her. Well, I don't buy any of that. What? No, <laughs> what do you mean you don't buy any don't, of that? I mean, that that's, just, what, that's what the movie gave you. She, she's one with the ship now. Like, oh, crap, we're going to see this again. No, like, I... And they never referenced any of that. No, I, I, think, no all... I think they just mean her navigation charts. I don't think it's like there's some consciousness now that it'll become like star trek where they're talking to the falcon i mean it's not going to happen like that because they don't ever right exactly so basically they just they needed her navigational charts from her brain and so they put her in the in the thing i mean if they could have reconstructed her and had her talk and just do the navigation points they would have done that but i'm very glad they did not reconstruct her right so but i'm failing to see why that's a problematic plot point but it's just he was so upset lando was yeah And, and then you don't you don't think that Han and those guys would be upset in the original trilogy or in the new ones if if three PO died? No, they what just, they just rebuilt him? No, but I mean, if they couldn't rebuild him, no. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm going to disagree with you on that. I highly, highly doubt that. I'm pretty sure Luke or Han or whoever would be pretty Luke disappointed likes R two. Well, that doesn't care about three PO, <laughs> right? So. Oh man, see, we're we're racing through this, but they finally make it back to I don't even know what the planet is, but they make it back to the oh, planet where they're meeting oh, Dryden Voss. You you skipped a bunch here. Oh, I skipped the mall. So, I, I was just trying well, to do you a favor. So, you don't want so, to talk about uh, the I, tentacle monster. But but I you gotta bring that up. But even before that, the, the heist scene mm-hmm. I thought could have been a heist scene. It was really a smash and grab. Yeah, it run was. in, grab it and run away. It was. And I think I think that was kind of the crux of the movie that you could have done something cool but you just did the oh the old prisoner trick right. you know and, and walk them in there as slaves and then you just run and grab it which is kind of funny because that's like the second time that that happened i mean it's that happens in a new hope right and it happens in uh return of the jedi right so i mean it, it is kind of a throwback but it's it's like that for being essentially a heist movie yeah, I think the heist itself could have been cooler. Maybe it I'm glad we did not creative. get like the layout scene and oh, we got to put this person on this and this person like in Ocean's Eleven. I I would have not enjoyed that, <laughs> and it would have killed the momentum. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously it's it's how you do it, right? But it's uh, I think I'm fine with the smash and grab. It kept the movie going fast, except when they're sitting outside the Falcon and just shooting for like three minutes. Like nobody's getting. I don't in remember the Falcon, it being that long. And he keeps shooting the same. It looked like. Han does the same shot and he shoots the same. But everybody keeps going down. Yeah, uh, the bad guys do. Well, no, but L3 gets hit, who they're waiting on at first, and then Lando goes out to get L3, and Lando gets hit. Yeah, they're all just staying there for so long. I didn't catch that. I'll have to rewatch it and see, but I, I don't like remember sitting really there. dragging out. I don't they're remember. Not, they're well, not getting in the... They have to push the crate in. The Wookiees are pushing the crate full of the warp fuel, so they're fighting while that's getting pushed in. It seemed like it took forever, and well, they're standing out there getting shot at. Yeah. They have and to push the crate in. L3 gets hit. Lando gets hit. It takes a while for that to happen. Nah. It seemed like it drug out. 
My goodness, and then, and you, you overlook so then, much, in, you and you overlook then, so much and in movies. And then you walk straight into a space tentacle monster that makes no sense whatsoever. What's flying out? Well, in they space. already they already said it when they were flying through the mall the first time. You have to stay on the path of the lights because there's all these rocks and creatures that live in the mall that surrounds this planet. That's why you have to go that one path through, which is like twenty something parsecs or something. It's because they say it doesn't make it not stupid. No, so I'm just I, I'm saying they, monster they at least explain how can avoid a black hole that for as long as the ship's going warp speed that it can't, but the tentacle monster can still sit there above a black hole. I took it as it, it got sucked into the black hole or not sucked in, but it chased the Falcon because it was going after the Falcon and that was headed towards the black hole. And then it's there. It just hovers above it for however long into the Falcon. It's getting pulled in. They're both getting kind of pulled in. It's going hyperdrive and it can't get out. No, and it doesn't. It, it doesn't have its hyperdrive on. If it had its hyperdrive on, it would have punched out. It would have gone at warp speed. Isn't that why they dumped the the stuff into? Well, it? yeah, but but the monster already got sucked in before they even did that. The monster gets sucked into the black hole, and they still can't get out. And that's when they have to figure out how what they need to do, and they inject the coaxium into the warp drive. Is it hyperdrive? Warp drive is Star Trek. Warp, I yeah. think I'm crisscrossing. Yeah. We all know what we're saying, but um, so yeah, the, that. It's flying in space and, and can out oh, yeah. weigh I mean, a, a black hole for a period of time before it finally gets sucked in. in a but we don't know, we don't know how those black holes operate. It's not even called a black hole. I forget what they call it. But it's not a black hole. But we don't know how those things work in Star Wars world. Yeah. I, don't know how I agree. I mean, giant, stupid putting a, Now, I will say this. The tentacle monster didn't look bad. No. I know. I was shocked. I actually said that to myself when it, I was... And, and there I'm saying it, it did not look bad. So yeah. So that that was the first step. They just put it in the most the yeah dumbest it, spot possible in the movie. It, it didn't need to be there. No, it's perfectly and that that's the funny thing. Like I mean, I'm not sure tentacle monsters ever need to be there, but it didn't need to be there. But it did look good. Yeah, look, uh, fine. I guess I should say like it. But yeah, all things considered, I remember seeing that thing. I'm like, I wonder if Carson's not gonna like that because. I mean, I usually agree with you on all that. Like, the Rogue One tentacle monster is bad. The Force Awakened ones it's is even real worse. bad. So when I saw this one, I was like, oh, well, it's completely unnecessary, but it looks fine. It, lo- it, looks and it like even it. looked kind of cool how that skin, like, tore off going into the black yeah. hole. But... So I was okay with the effects there. Right. Uh, yeah, it didn't not, need to be there. They could have easily just... just had him trying to navigate the rocks and whatever and then just end up. Again, I feel like that was kind of a throwback to Empire Strikes Back where he's going through an asteroid field and then the monster comes out and swallows the falcon and they're sitting in there but the yeah he, he didn't do anything cool flying and that's to show that he was a awesome pilot yeah i think i think the scene before they come across the tentacle monster so when he's he run so they're 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 following the path right and they run into star destroyer. A star destroyer and it sends all the tie fighters out and he escapes all them and he does some pretty cool moves when he goes into the mall because they chase him in there and he's navigating asteroids and doing something where he sets the Falcon down, sprays the thing with rock and it destroys a tie fire. So I think he does some cool moves there. I just, I agree with you. I would have liked to have seen more of what makes him an awesome pilot. Maybe we'll get more of that in another movie, but I do kind of feel like this movie, one of the complaints I, I, I would have is that it checked a lot of boxes, right? It's like it had a laundry list of things like dice, right. Kessel run, and right. some of them were done really, really well. And some of them were done a little ham-fisted where you're like, Ugh, okay, we well, really shoehorned that one in. 
so I, I do agree that like I, I would have liked to have seen more of what made him a special pilot. Like even if they added something to the train scene when he's flying, like give him some more things to do as a pilot. Yeah, it's like again, just watching that scene from The Force Awakens, Ray's flying skills were were pretty cool. Yeah. And the, the different things that she did with that, you know, shows that she's a good pilot. Even yeah. Poe when he comes through and shoots all the ships, you know, right. shows he's a good pilot. And this I just didn't feel like they they demonstrated that at all. Yeah, I think they demonstrated it with the asteroid field. I don't know if that's what in the mall. Yeah, but, but I would have liked to have seen more. Yeah, so, so I agree with that. So they make their way back after the mall. Make the they make the Kessel run in twelve parsecs, which will be super dorks and say. The funny thing about that is it's not about the speed because parsecs aren't speed; it's distance. And so the Kessel run had never been made in a distance less than I think it was twenty something parsecs. 20. Yeah. But the reason why he was able to do it in 12 wasn't because he went fast. It's because he cut through the mall. Yeah. And I, I loved when Chewie called him out on it. Yeah. And he that, says that, about that, rounding down. Yeah, he round down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you know, and yeah. That, I think that was one of the best lines of the. Yeah. yeah. And that's the kind of line I mean that's like very much Han Solo. Like he may not have sounded like Han, but that comment was very much like what you'd expect well, that, from Han. And the fact that he was walking away when he said it. Yeah. You know, it, that, that felt Han-ish. Yeah. And so that, that was my. That was my one line that that I liked about, yeah. about that and, and scene. And yep. then the I agree. So they get back to the planet where they need to go, where they're meeting with Dryden Voss. The Marauders are there, which we didn't really touch on them, but the Marauders were just nameless bandits that showed up and tried to steal the warp fuel from them on the train scene, and now they show up again. So you as an audience, you're like, Oh crap, they finally got all the coaxium slash warp fuel back to this planet and the marauders are here and they're gonna take it away take it away from yeah yeah but what ends up happening is the marauders reveal themselves to be i don't know basically early early rebellion people right. they're, they're looking to get the coaxium so that they can get money to fund the rebellion right and i know i'll let you take this away but well, the, 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 they, the, the marauder leader has a, a cool mask right and they walk up to to woody yeah and takes off the mask and then the worst edited scene yeah it's it shows everybody that there she as she takes off the mask it reveals this this girl and it shows everybody's face like in in awe yeah and we're like are we supposed to know who this person Mm -hmm. is and then i'm like i hope they don't go oh it's it's woody's daughter right and so that that was in my head like oh god don't and then they don't address it at all like so was it just the fact that she was a girl that we right. were all pausing for, for however long it was? It's just, it's just really awkward. Yeah. And, and you so, know, they, they make it where everybody else takes off their helmets too, but they, they really hold on that main girl for too long. I think if they had had everybody kind of pop off their helmets at the same time, they just kind of span across the different races that are there. Cause I think right. that's the, maybe the point they were trying to get across one. I do think that they were holding it on her because she's a young girl and you didn't expect that. It was not edited well. I agree with you. I had the same exact thought. I'm like, am I am I supposed to know who this is? Like, did we see somebody yeah. so earlier? <laughs> that's just, I mean, that's a good example of misleading your audience there. Because I, I was like racking my brain being like, I, I don't know this person. Should I? Are they from the cartoons? The comic? Like, what's happening? Yeah, and I just thought all the characters seem to recognize her, but we don't. Right. So I was just wondering what's what's happening. And then they don't address anything. Right. And so I agree with you there. So really what happens in that scene, though, is she tells Han that she wants to start fighting the Empire, but they need the warp field to do that. But he's got to give it to Dryden Voss or else he's screwed and he thinks Kira's on his side. So now we get to the point where Han's got to come up with a plan. 
And right. at the same time, you're kind of wondering what's happening with Kira and then what's going to happen with Beckett. They all go into Dryden Voss's ship and basically a big standoff happens because Beckett, which is Woody Harrelson, is double-crossing Han. Kira's acting all kind of funny, but nobody really knows what's going on. So I think what happened was Beckett, or Dryden Voss, thought that it was fake. It was fake warp fuel. But it wasn't. But I think that may have been because, I don't know if Beckett was telling him that. Yeah, or Be- what... Beckett told him that it, it was going to be a double cross. Right. But it ends up being that Han just brought the actual warp right. fuel in. And I'm not going to get through like all the machinations of that, but you can envision every movie that's ever done this before. You know, big Mexican standoff with Beckett pointing a gun at Han and Han trying to eyeball Dryden Voss and Kira's kind of there. There, yeah. Yeah. But the way it plays out is, I think Beckett takes. Does Beckett take the warp fuel? I don't know. Beckett Beckett makes a run. Yeah, he does. I think he. Yeah. He takes the warp fuel, and then God, I don't even know if that's right. Is that right? Yeah, because he has Chewie carry it for him. That's right. Thank you. And Which then, is the only time we see Chewie again in the second half. Is yeah, him just carrying warp warp fuel. Right. Well, he we did skip over a part where somewhere around the Kessel run, Kira gets in the co-pilot seat with Han and can't figure anything out. And then and then Chewie Han yeah. tells him to sit down to get Chewie or cuz that's you know that that's another good thing I wanted to bring up. It's rare that a line from a trailer makes me laugh because I've already seen it. But somehow the the you're 190 years old one worked because it was done so cool in the context of Kira was in the co-pilot seat and Chewie starts flipping switches like he knows what he's doing. And Han's like, how do you know what you're doing? And then it's the, you know, your how old comment. But I thought that actually ended up working for me because it was kind yeah. of in the, all in the context of who, Chewie, of Chewie getting to be a co-pilot and knowing how to fly the ship and everything. Yeah. Another one that I wish it would have left out of the trailer so you can. Probably. Yeah. yeah. They needed all the help they could do though True. to fight the the stuff. But so backing up to the. To the Mexican standoff, it ends up being that Han and Kira and Dryden Voss get into a big fight, and Kira obviously helps Han and turns on Dryden Voss and busts out a sword. Yeah, she busts out a sword, and Dryden's weapon of choice, which two was daggers, ultimate foreshadowing that I just could not connect the pieces of. It's two daggers with like some red glow to I mean, it. Yeah, double sided daggers, aren't they? Uh, I can't remember, but I actually remember thinking like, oh, well, that's kind of lightsaberish. What? what's going on there? Like, or maybe it's just, but then it made me think of the force awakens and they have those, the stormtroopers have those shock things. And right. I was just, I was, I was not thinking like Sith or Jedi, but I should have caught on. But basically Kira kills Dryden Voss. Well, and they had hinted to, there's a, yeah, there's a bigger master that we all report to. Yeah. You know, he, he says that twice. Yeah. So we knew there was a bigger bad guy looming somewhere and that we'd probably see him. Before right. or her before the end of the movie, but Dryden Voss gets got by Kira. Right, Kira says she's going to hang out, grab some jewels to cash in and make some money for them, and Han's going to go track down the fuel. The fuel. So we're almost nearing the end here. So yeah. we'll go. We'll go the Kira route. So we finally get to figure out who the higher power is because after Han leaves the ship, Kira phones her new boss. And Kira is a pretty good fighter, right? So mm-hmm. that that was she kind of made easy work with Dryden Voss, but she calls her new boss, and it's a hologram. And the only thing you can see at first is kind of a cloak and metal legs, right? And I remember thinking to myself, like, how can that be Anakin? I don't understand how 
how that works. That it was Vader? Yeah, well, yeah. or, you know, Vader slash Anakin, because who else would have metal legs? Yeah. And then they do the reveal, and we're looking at Darth Maul. Yeah, and that, so, Darth Maul's one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. in, in all Star Wars. Like, basically the only good thing out of the prequels. Yes, and he, so, very excited to see him again. However, I just think the reveal was, was done so poorly. And then, <laughs> then he fires up his lightsaber for no reason. You're in a hologram, you yeah. know? And it's like, why are you firing up your lightsaber? Just in case people don't know who you are. So you, right. you do both sides just to, hey, remember me from the prequels? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, he looked different. And, well, he's and older. He, he is older. And, and he's been cut in half. <laughs> he has been cut in half. And he has the robot lower half. <laughs> right. Um, but it was like, he had, it looked like almost the horns were different. And so I was, I was, I was really kind of in, inspecting him and I was like, is that Ray Park? Mm-hmm. You know? And I was like, that's like, is it the same actor? And his voice sounded different. And, mm-hmm. I, and I was like, clearly it's Darth Maul. And I like that we're going to get Darth Maul in the Kenobi movie. I'm assuming that's what they're setting up. That has to be it. Right. I mean, right. there's no, what would be the point in having Darth Maul in a solo sequel? Right. It's got to be that. Well, and maybe they intertwine a little bit because uh, jumping just two seconds ahead, uh, the movie ends with Han saying, I need to go, or Beckett mentions going to Tatooine, I think, and then Han, I think, says, we're going to go to Tatooine. Oh, it is the gangster there with the job. Yeah. Which is obviously job of the Hut, Right. And Obi-Wan would be there at that time. So maybe, right. I don't know, maybe that's how it all intertwines, is that Han gets tailed to Tatooine, and Darth Maul goes and hunts Obi-Wan down. I don't know, but... Long story short, I think what you and I are thinking is that that's purely there for setup for the Obi-Wan solo movie. Right. That's your post-credit scene. Yeah. Just pre-credits. I think we're going to get a Khaleesi Sith. Hope she gets a lightsaber at some point. Yeah. And is Obi-Wan going to go ahead and cut her down? I don't know if she would cross over into Obi-Wan. I could see her staying in the solo franchise, whereas Maul hops over into the Obi-Wan. Interesting. Yeah. But who knows? So. I liked the mall reveal. I didn't think it was a bad reveal. I'm fine with the reveal through the hologram, but it could have been done better. I agree with you on that. I one. liked that it was mall. Yeah. Let me put it. There. Yeah. I like that it was mall. Yeah. And then uh, I, just I actually threw my hands up in the theater. Like I, and I looked over like at Killian next to me. I was like, what, what? Like, <laughs> cause I knew that in the cartoons mall was, was there. Right. I just, I didn't think there was any chance the star Wars movies would ever do that. It, it kind of feels like the, um, Palpatine clone theory kind of thing. Like it yeah. happened in the books, it's happened in the cartoons or whatever, but the movies are just not going to touch that. And I, I was just shocked that Disney or whoever allowed that to happen. It seemed like a bridge too far. Uh, I feel like they're pressured into it, to be honest. It's like who, we can't introduce a new Sith. Yeah. You know, who's Obi-Wan Kenobi going to fight? And, but he can't, and be, have... he can't be a Sith. Well, unless we're rewriting rules. I think they already did that with the Dooku and the like. Dooku was always a. Did uh, they? I don't know. They were never clear on that. Exactly. If we're following the rule of two, he cannot be a Sith because Palpatine and Vader are out there. Yeah, I think it's more of a guideline. Yeah, than (laughs) I don't know. I I agree with you though. But so call him a Sith or whatever. uh, Obi Wan's got to fight somebody in his movie. I mean, there's got to be some. It's got to be use a lightsaber, and and so it's just some random guy that we make up and kill off in (laughs) another movie like Maul. I think that's, and you have this huge fan base for Darth Maul yeah. that everyone says they didn't give him, do him justice when he was there. And so finally, 
Yeah, uh, uh, it, it was it was the right move to, to to put him in there. It feels like their way of redoing the prequels without redoing the prequels. Like I, I shouldn't right. say redoing, but like how can we start cleaning up for some of these mistakes? Like giving us a proper Clone Wars movie would be fantastic. Yeah. Giving us a proper Vader purge would be fantastic. Right, and maybe they can find creative ways of doing that without, um actually redoing the prequels because i'm not sure they're going to do that vader versus maul maybe it's possible but i think i I think that's going to come to a conclusion with obi-wan right i I could end the other you're just you're just teasing me now i'm I'm, my my brain's (laughs) going it's like wait a second same timeline vader's at his peak right now and i could see obi-wan in order to beat maul getting help from like a qui-gon force ghost right i mean there's all these things that that didn't get addressed in the prequels and i i truthfully don't think they're ever going to redo the prequels. So I think the best no. that they're going to be able to do is try to find ways, even though we've seen like execute order 66 and we've seen Vader kill some Jedi, I think they could find a way to shoehorn a full movie in that just says, yeah, that yeah. stuff happened, but there was also a purge. Yeah. There's also a lot more Jedi you need to go kill. Yeah. And then go finish them off. Right. Type of thing. So I agree with you. This is total fan service, but it's the right thing to do. I mean, they need to find ways to clean up, the mess that was the prequels not that that they're not making a current mess but and it's the best way to do it if you wanted maul in kenobi yeah how can you have a trailer without showing darth maul when he should be a a considerable piece of that movie and and that's the draw to get you to go see kenobi right is is darth maul completely you you put the trailer and you put him a reveal in the trailer like well that's what what yeah (laughs) that would be bad you're right and so they they did it the right it was the right Yes. It was the right person to put in there, but I, I wish there was a stronger reveal for yeah. them. I mean, there's so many things you could have do you could have done. You and I were talking about it, but like, you know, you could have had her fly her ship all the way back to the location where she needs to meet her new boss and then mm-hmm. like the door opens up and he throws back the hood just like he does in Phantom Menace and you just be like, Oh so And he didn't even have to say anything. No. Yeah. Well he never says anything hardly. Well, he has yeah. like two lines in Phantom Menace. Yeah. But yeah, I I agree with you. I love Darth Maul being there. I was okay with the hologram. It could have certainly been done much, much cooler. I agree with yeah. that. And definitely, I just, <laughs> firing at the lightsaber is just totally unnecessary. Yeah. That, was, that was 100%. But I think it's just like, let's give people a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> we just have right. to have it in the movie. Right. Um, so the last little bit. Okay, I didn't even think about it like that. Uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> so the last little bit that happens aside from that is that Han has to confront, he has to go find Chewie and Beckett. Yeah. And basically confront him and the arguably the best thing that's a throwback moment that happens in the whole movie is as becca is kind of saying you know you know i had to do this you had to see it coming all this stuff he's in his his soliloquy yeah Yeah. and han just shoots him right and it's again kind of like with the mall thing it's them doing some fan service that they can't necessarily do without re-releasing the untouched trilogy. Right. It's them saying F you Han shot Han first, shot first right. and we're doubling down on it because now we're saying he, he shot first here. That means he shoots first later. So in terms of Han's character arc, I, I, I like this ending to it because, you know, Kira even explicitly tells him in the movie, you're a good guy. You're a good guy. You try to be a bad guy, but you're a good guy. And I think this is kind of saying, yeah, Han is the Han we always knew. He's he is a good guy. He's got a good heart, but he's a scoundrel. He'll do what it takes to to get the job done or do what needs to be done. Because a truly nice guy would not have just shot Beckett like that. I mean, so yeah. Han has that side to him. 
See, and I don't think they moved him at all as far as his personality, his character arc. Right. I think they could have done a lot more with that because when we meet Han, it's all about the money. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't want anything to do with the rebellion, doesn't want anything to do with helping anybody. Um, and then you see him kind of turn, you know, and, and that's that's his turn back. But we didn't see him turn to to that. Right. And unless there's a three movie arc that Han's in that gets him a hardened person. I don't think he'll ever become hardened. I think his thing is more, I, I don't think he's a guy that's transitioned from black to white or white to black. I think Han is waffling in that gray area. There's going to be times where he's a little bit more scoundrelish and he'll sell people out or go back and kind of get his comeuppance against Lando to get the Falcon back or shoot Beckett. And there's times where he'll, do what was right to give the war fuel to the people to get money. So I think Han is just, he's not going to be that full blown transition. He's going to just live in that gray area. And that's just who Han Solo is. So I don't think you're going to be a, see a huge shift in him. I just think it takes a, a bit away from a new hope. If you don't have him move closer to that. Because to being more of a scoundrel. To be more of a scoundrel. Well, I, I think that's what they might be setting up with him shooting Beckett is that, it's showing that he's willing to be more on the dark side of the gray than just always the good guy. And I think that was, I'm, I'm glad that they did that, but I think it was almost too little too late of, they didn't have time to explore the, the new, the quote unquote new Han, right. You know, to where it showed that he was, he was like that. And, yeah. And I just, I just thought it was very flat as far as uh, what that was and where he needs to go to be the redeemed Han, you know, saving the empire. Yeah, Save, saving the empire. <laughs> kind of coming back to right. Yeah, to no, him. I see what you're saying, I, and I think they'll explore a little bit more of that. I just think what's what it's going to be is he's going to be the good guy who's not afraid to do some of the dirty things that it takes to be good. I, I think is going to be his story. So I don't think you're ever going to get this. Oh, Han's crazy bad, and then he went crazy good. I think he's bad. Just doesn't doesn't care about anybody but himself. And that's that's the. But, but I think what they're setting up is that that's that's just not who he is. He's got that good-natured heart. Now he's a he's a scoundrel, and he will he will be a pirate, and he'll sell money and stuff. But he's gonna fight the good fight while he's doing that. But at some point, he needs to at least act that he's doing that way. Sure. And he hasn't, you know, because that's how he is, and really all of them, right? Of acting like he doesn't care, but then, okay, I do care, right? You know, you just need need that. I right. Think. Yeah. So, I agree. Yeah, I guess he needs another movie, but as long as there's <laughs> as long as there's more chewy. Yeah. So all in all, I, I was at a four and I think it's a solid four. I, I had a really fun time. Like I mentioned earlier, it was the first time that I felt like an entire star Wars movie was fun. It was a breath of fresh air to get away from lightsabers and force and skywalkers and the dread of the universe and everything else happening that it, it was a nice breath of fresh air for me. I liked a lot of the callbacks to the nostalgia. I thought they did those really well. It's not perfect, but I I, I liked it. A solid four. For me, if we're doing Star Wars rankings, so I'll let you do your score and your rankings. I liked it better than Rogue One, and I liked it better than The Last Jedi. So for me, it's up in the top three or four Star Wars movies. So Empire is obviously the top, and then Force Awakens, and Return of the Jedi, and Solo. See, I'm, I'm not near you there. I compromised up to a uh, three and a half is where I ended up landing and putting my my rating. 
I just, there was no cool moments in this movie that I'd be like, yeah, I want to go see that again. So there's no Darth Maul and the Phantom Menace that I just want to see that end scene again. There's no. But how good is a how good is a Darth Maul scene in a really crappy movie? Really good. It was a really good Darth Maul scene. Well, right, but I I would much it rather made, it made that movie. I would much rather yeah, but the rest of that movie is insufferable. I mean, what good is a cool scene if the rest of the movie is crap? Opposed to just a whole bunch of blah. No, which is what I felt I, like well, this was. That's fine. It, if that's it, I thought it was fun all the way through, and I get that it doesn't have that one killer scene or whatever that you want to go rewatch. But I want to rewatch the whole movie because I enjoyed it from start to finish. See, I I did not. Yeah, um, Chewy, I liked. I'd like to see Chewy again. You did not, but you gave it a three point five. Uh, I gave I gave it a three. I get it's the Star Wars bump, so it gets a little Star Wars bump there because it it is Star Wars, and I and I want to see more of them so i don't want them to not do more movies i'm pretty sure your rating is not it, going to do you don't know effect. that you don't know that <laughs> i'm not you i'm pretty sure that. kathleen kennedy is not downloading our <laughs> podcast and be like well carson yet. did not give it a 3.5 yet so but the i gave it a 3.5 i'm not sure it's going to stay there i thought it was the worst star wars movie that we've seen since the prequels okay and so, so i'm going to interrupt you okay where is it in the context of the prequel? So you're saying all these negative things, and I, I have a very hard time wrapping my head around a three and a half because that's one half star removed from Last Jedi, I think, according to your star ratings. It's only one star removed from The Force Awakens. It's closer to a three than a three and a half, but I got myself up to a three and a half. But I mean, you still, you still have a lot of negativity for this movie to give it a three and a half. A three and a half. Is, so you say a two is not watchable. A two and a half is rewatchable. And you're a full star over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not adding up to me. I don't understand how you're at, at. Something's not gelling. Either this needs to be lower for you or you liked it more than what you're leading on. I disliked things so much that it brought me down to that. And I brought it back up thinking upon second viewing, hopefully I can ignore those things. (laughs) So how are people listening to this or that see your rating supposed to understand if they look at what you've said about this movie and all the other movies that you rate three and a half? I mean, you're, you're coming down pretty hard on this movie, but still giving it a three and a half. Yeah. And that's, that's where my, I think people are going to have a hard time reconciling my, my intro of I love Star Wars is why I brought that up to begin okay. with. So but, then, so then let's run with that. But um, I'm aware of the faults that this movie has, and so I'm hoping again on second viewing, I can ignore the the really crappy characters and the really crappy CGI, and I can enjoy the pieces that it has of of Chewie throughout. Okay, that I can hopefully so like it more than what it is. is the lowest a Star Wars movie can get. In your book, a three? Is that like rock bottom? Any Star Wars can movie? Can get or well, has yeah. gotten? Well, no, I, I'm just asking can, because it seems to me like you're establishing a floor that you will always like a Star Wars movie no matter what. So a three and a half is really a bad Star Wars rating. Not going to say no matter what, but three three seems to be the floor right now, and, and there's some bad prequels so out there. So what's your worst prequel? The worst prequel, uh, Clone Wars? When you mean Attack of the Clones? But, yeah, what did I say? Clones. Okay, so <laughs> what? What is that above or below Solo? And what did you rate it? I haven't seen the Clone Wars. <laughs> I keep saying Clone Wars. I haven't seen Attack <laughs> Your of the Clones. fan card is getting revoked. <laughs> I haven't seen Attack of the Clones and since I've been rating movies. So yeah, I, I it's, don't know. it's really bad. But 
you know, at least I got a, a Yoda fight scene, which you've never seen before. That's fine. And but so, so I guess what I'm I'm trying to and Natalie Portman. Where are you? I need to know where Solo ranks. I need to see it again before I can put it in there. But it's definitely below anything that's been made recently. Even so, below Last Jedi. Below Last Jedi for sure. Okay, so. I need to know I, where I, I need to have context on where it is. I mean, you should have seen. You should be it's familiar. Below Rogue One. You should it's be familiar enough Last with Jedi. the prequels it's to know below. where you're ranking it. It's not hard if you're a Star Wars fan, like you said in the intro. Yes, you I know am. these movies well enough to know where they land. You today, should not. You should not need to rewatch. Today, it's at the very bottom. That that is the most ridiculous statement I have ever heard. It's at the very bottom. I'm not today. even. This is not hyperbole. You should. This podcast should stop. <laughs> the prequels are. Are not good, but there's there's things in there that I can there's scenes in every one of those that that I truly enjoy that I can go and just I can at least watch that scene or at least look forward to those scenes. And from what I saw, there's nothing that I I'm glad I this want is... to see this this, this <laughs> oh negative. So when God. I when I watch it again, it's only to gosh, I hope I like this more this time. You're going to be asking me to retroactively delete this segment from this podcast. You will not want this. Saved in history and out on the internet. I'm saying today after first view. It doesn't matter. That's a yeah. miserable take in any situation. Lock it up. So you give me Darth Maul scene that immediately that puts is it over em- this. That is an embarrassing take. Immediately it, it puts should, it over It this. actually hurts your credibility more than you could ever imagine. <laughs> the Phantom Menace is a very bad movie. Right, but the as attack one of the coolest of the, scenes in all of Star of the, Wars it doesn't is, matter. Is, it, yes, it does. That's why you watch movies. It's one, equal scenes. one scene does not take a two-hour and twenty-minute movie. Scene. It does not take a two-hour and twenty-minute movie and magically bump it up to three stars. Oh, absolutely, it does. There's, there's a, movies that have great that's a scenes horrible that take. make movies all the time. No, not one scene like that in a two-hour and twenty-minute movie. Opposed to a two-hour movie that doesn't give you any scenes that are eh, and it has things that just I like, but yeah, get you. I like the train scene. I like the spice mine scene. I like all the chewy and, and Han banter to me. And I'm hoping next time I watch it that I'd like those more. I don't have but today. I don't. So we like to talk about this movie. I don't have a, a one guardian scene that I watch. I don't go to guardians to watch one scene. It does not have a, the intro scene. He's dancing. That's what I, <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> but that's not, a, that's not a cool scene. It's a very cool scene. Oh my God. What's what's not cool about him? It's not it's not what you're making it out to be. Like, oh, I have to go watch Guardians so I can see the dance scene. That's that's your description of cool scene. It's the one scene. No, I look forward to watching that scene as soon as I put that's the Guardians in. It's, you, it's, my point is, I watch scene, Guardians because I enjoy the full movie. It's a fun movie from start to finish that may not have a lot of peaks or valleys in terms of oh, this scene is amazingly cool and it's what I want to see. Like, and it doesn't have the valley of oh, this is a really bad scene. That's how Solo is. It for me, it was a fun experience all the way through. So yeah, you can say that. Guardians the, is funny. This is not funny. It had funny moments. Yeah, Guardians is a funny movie. But my point is, it doesn't have a cool scene like you just said. Uh, anyways, you can stick with this. This is a horrific take. Attack of the Clones is honestly, at most, a two-star movie. Ceiling of two stars. It is a miserable experience. It's probably a one and a half. Phantom Menace is probably a two or a two and a half. It is not no. good. Yeah, no. it's, it's not good. No. Now you can say that you like to watch it because it's Star Wars, but it is not a good movie. Solo being lowest on the list, I'm, I'm glad this is preserved in history. It is. You can lock it up, and uh, again, we'll have our year in review, and I get to watch it again, and so we'll go through this. But uh, upon second viewing, maybe those sore spots are are overlooked. I don't know. You can but think coming out of that theater, I was I was mad. 
I was mad. You can not like this and movie. I, and I was intentionally trying to find things that I could stick up for because I thought you were going to absolutely hate it. And so I'm like, oh, because this had no heart. This had no stakes. All the things that you hate. Yeah. There, there's no stakes in this at all because we all know what's going to happen. Yep, agreed. There is no emotion. Uh, there, there was no there was There was one character. emotion for me. It was fun. <laughs> it was not fun. Yeah, but for and me, it was that. That's the emotion. But, if you have no other, but you, you say this is fun, but like Infinity Wars has no fun, no emotion. What I gave Infinity War a four, but you said it had no emotion. Well, I, no, I said it had. I said and it had no, no heart. I said it had no stakes and no heart. Both, both things. Yeah, I mean, it kind of really didn't. None of it really resonated with me. I didn't really feel bad for anything. And that's so much better than than what this did. And yet you're giving this a, you know, high praise. No, I give it a four. There, I I gave them both the same ratings. I have kind of the same experience on that. Your criticisms are not. They're very conflicting. No, on on the two movies. No, but they're they're very different movies. Solo is trying to be fun. Infinity War is not overly trying to be fun. It's trying to be what? like the stakes are high, and the, we're trying to be serious. Infinity War is not trying to be fun. You have Thor and. And no, Tony Stark and Starlord all quipping each other. What I'm saying, but you're you're misconstruing what I'm saying about something trying to be fun versus having moments of levity in a thing. Just like my point about the Force Awakens, it's not necessarily a an overly fun movie. It has certain fun moments and certain moments of levity, but that doesn't make it the same as something that's trying to be fun from start to finish. Infinity War is trying to be. The world is coming to an end. Thanos is here, blah, blah, blah. But we're still going to have moments of levity. Solo is just trying to be a Western. Let's go out and have fun. Let's move from adventure to adventure. It, it's two different things. Yeah, and I, I didn't get that feeling at all from Solo. And again, and, I, for, and I completely can understand that. But to say that quality-wise, even though you didn't enjoy it as much as you wanted to, that it's worse than Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace is a really bad take. You're even saying Phantom Menace has no no chance there? No. Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones are the two worst Star Wars movies easily. It's not close. Phantom Menace and not even uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith? Sith is the best of the prequels. No. Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> Phantom Menace is better than both of those. No, it's not. Again, Phantom Menace is crazy Dar- boring unless Darth Maul is on the screen, and he's not on the screen that much. And he makes the movie. I I agree. He makes the movie, but not enough to bring it up to at least the Revenge of the Sith has a lot more action. That's actually good action, and it has a conflict with Obi Wan and Anakin, and things finally come to a head. No matter how much I feel like those things were letdowns, it's a hell of a lot better than watching a CGI clone army be assembled by Count Dooku. It's a hell of a lot better than watching a Trade Federation blockade dispute for forty five minutes on Naboo. I mean, those are not fun movies. I need to watch those again. Please do. You but, will regret this. No, I'll, I will hopefully, hopefully enjoy Solo better the second time. But right now, I had the worst experience coming out of a Star Wars movie than than any of the any other ones. That may be, but you need to be able to assess movies somewhat critically, and that the take that Solo is worse than those movies is is a bad take. Because there's something that I can pick out at each one of those that I look forward to to wanting to see. And there's, there's not in well, this. We, I guess we'll just let our listeners decide about <laughs> what, what they think about this take. I, I hope that people comment and leave some stuff back on Facebook and stuff. I, I'm sure that, I mean, I'm fine with that. But, I, I am too. But again, I was thoroughly disappointed in what, 
what showed up there. Oh, and, and you and can just, be, and it's just, but you uh, can't just throw all objectivity out of the window when it comes to that and say that it's worse than the prequels. And you, you mentioned that, oh, you didn't like, or you liked that there was no force, no yeah, lightsabers, no, I, I, that's why I go see Star Wars. Yeah, but I, when I you're going to start lightsaber battles. But when you you're going to start doing anthology movies and you're go- the whole point of anthology movies is to branch out into other aspects of the universe. They the don't... universe has the force out there. But not in this time period. Yes, yes there are. Well, the there are people... Jedi's everywhere. No, not in, not in Han Solo's time period. It's just it's Obi-Wan's in hiding, Yoda's in hiding, Vader and Palpatine. The force is essentially dead. Yeah, I don't. But but that's what I'm saying. Why what is what good is all these anthology movies where you're supposed to explore all these other aspects and deep corners of the universe if you always just stick around the force and lightsabers? I'm not saying that every anthology movie has to ignore cool new characters, but they can still use the same weapons that are out there. I'm not saying that they should all ignore it. I'm just saying it's a breath of fresh air to have something that doesn't feel constrained to those same concepts. Stanky air. It's still Trash better. Air. It's still better than prequel air. It's not a. It is it's not fresh still air. better than prequel air. Well, I hope everybody listens to this. We're this is a long one, but I'm I'm hopeful that one that you watched the prequels soon. This this really necessitates you watching the prequels. You have to do that now. And two, I'm interested to hear what people say when they when they hear that take. Because I think people will agree with you. I've been reading enough reviews to know that there are people that didn't care for solo. I know there's people that like solo. That's same with Last Jedi, same with Force Awakens, it happens with everything. But I think there's probably pretty much unanimous consent that Solo or, or Last Jedi or any of that are not worse than the prequels. But we'll see. We'll see. But you still gave it a three and a half after all this. Yeah, it's a Star Wars movie. Which means that you had to have given the, the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones a three and a half or more. If I had seen it? By that logic, you have to have given it a three and a half or four. We'll see. <laughs> so bad. All right. We're done with this marathon session. As usual, leave us a comment on Facebook, Uh, go out to the podcast stores, leave us a rating and a review, or hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'll catch you next time.